0: There is going to be conflict. There are going to be disagreements. So you have to recognize that you're going to have those things and create an environment where there's healthy disagreement, where you're using, you know, being respectful and using facts and data and so forth. This is the Leadership 480 Podcast.
1: Hi, leaders, and welcome back to the Leadership 480 Podcast. I'm your host, Beth Alms. And today, my topic is about the thing a lot of us hate most about work, but really can't avoid, organizational politics. And I think if you asked a lot of leaders about the number one thing they hate about their job, this would come up a lot. You know, you're you're out there focusing on just getting your job done. You want to accomplish things, and then you've got to navigate all these politics that are going on behind the scenes, and it gets... Really messy, and it gets messier the higher you go in leadership. It's frustrating and can feel like a waste of time. So, to help us guide through this sticky, stippy, sticky topic, my guest today is Eric Hansen, who is an executive consultant at DDI and has guided many of the world's top CEOs, senior executives, and board members as they navigate the incredibly complex world of executive leadership. Eric has really seen it all uh, in what goes on behind the scenes, and you would be surprised at just how much time and effort even the very best leaders at top organizations spend trying to figure out just how to deal with each other. So, Eric, welcome to the Leadership 480 podcast.
0: Thanks, Beth. It's great to be here.
1: So, a lot of people who are wonderful leaders uh, might say that they do everything they can to avoid getting involved in the politics of their organization. They just want to focus on moving forward. They don't want to get mixed up in all the nitty gritty factor of dealing with other people. So I have to ask, and maybe this will make this the shortest podcast we've ever done, but like, can you do that? Can you just opt out and say, listen, I'm transparent. You know what I want, what I'm trying to accomplish. I'm not dealing with the political stuff
0: yeah, for sure. I get that. And it's a reality of pretty much every work environment. Certainly, some are more political than others, I suppose, but it's really the reality. We're human beings, and, and you know a variety of human beings, you know, we have different personalities, and you're going to see those different styles show up in in a work setting. And so you know, in some respects, you know I think about it as a continuum. you know, they're sort of you think about the quote unquote politics of an organization. Well, there's also just relationships that you have to manage as a normal course of doing your work. And so, you know, I suppose you could look at it as a at, look at it as a continuum between just managing relationships and and uh, trying to get people to buy into things or influence and so forth to you know sort of being quote unquote political. And some people can be very maneuvering and manipulative, sure. but there's I, you know, you're just not going to be able to avoid it. I think it's in any environment naturally.
1: So you mentioned that this is really about building relationships. And I'm kind of wondering, is that the same thing as organizational politics? Is one kind of a euphemism for the other of depending on where you stand, you know, if I if I like doing this, it's about building relationships. If I hate it, this is just all politics.
0: Yeah, you could absolutely look at it that way. I think it starts, you know, with your own personality, your own disposition. You know, do you tend to be a person who's you know, outgoing and um, naturally uh, inclined to, you know, be relationship oriented. I suppose it can start with, you know, who you are and, and what your personality suggests. But yeah, I think it's, you know, one person's developing relationships and managing relationships might be another person's, you know, sort of politics in a way. But there's no doubt that some environments are more dicey politically. There are a lot of connections, there are a lot of undertones, and you have to be also on the lookout for those situations.
1: So, when you say that some organizations are more political than others, how do you see that often appear? Do you find that um, are there organizations where this is normal where like how do you know if it becomes a toxic level of politics?
0: well, that's that's a great question. You know, I think the you have to look at what are the indicators. Are there, you know, is there a lot of maneuvering by people to try to get um, favor with certain senior leaders or try to, you know, um, advocate for their point of view in ways that let's say are not transparent. Are are there a lot of, you know, meetings before the meetings, a lot of stakeholder, Mm -hmm. you know, um, uh, management and there's, you're going to have to have some of that naturally, you know, to, to get say a big proposal, for a budget item, a capital expense, or whatever it might be, you know you have to understand how those decisions are made, and um, you know what is going to be a winning influence strategy to get that over the finish line. Um, but you know there certainly are are effective um, transparent ways of doing that, and there are some you know sort of political uh, ways that are, let's say, not so savory.
1: So when you bring up things like having a lot of meetings before the meetings and all that kind of stuff, like I have to admit, like it kind of triggers me to be like, oh my God, that sounds terrible. Um, And I think there's a lot of leaders out there who feel like that's where this becomes like a lot of fluff of like, I'm just trying to get stuff done. But, you know, so if that's kind of your tendency of like, I don't want to spend time in meetings before meetings, this feels like a waste of my time. What are the consequences of avoiding all of this, of trying to kind of skip those steps? And I'm sure you've coached executives and and leaders at every level who are kind of like, can I can I really do this and skip some of that? Because it is weighing me down.
0: Yeah, it's you you get to you get to a point where you think this is just a lot of time and energy. And we could be doing as an organization, you know, as a team, we could be doing things that might feel a lot more productive um, and it's really a judgment call. There's no question. You, can, you just can't avoid it. You have to understand who the stakeholders are and what uh, what's going to be important to them. Um, but to sit on the sidelines is you're probably not going to get um, your uh, interest um, heard. You're not going to see things uh you know uh, programs and so forth that you're trying to advocate for getting over the finish line it's just going to become very difficult so there's a certain level of relationship management that you're simply going to have to do it's a judgment call as to you know is it are you so mired in the details of that and the uh uh, inefficiencies of that that it's becoming dysfunctional it's it's a tough call to make and and there's there's just no way to avoid it but we certainly know when it gets to be. Uh, An excess of relationship management.
1: So, as you're talking about this, what I'm thinking is, you know, there's obviously some implications for me as the leader. Like, if I'm not getting my agenda across, like, you know, it's going to hurt my chances for advancement. It's going to hurt my ability to, um, you know, get the visibility I need in front of my boss and everything like that. And some people might even say, I'm fine with that. I've reached the level I want to reach. And if I'm not able to get ahead, fine. But I'm also thinking about if you're bad at at organizational politics, the effect that's going to have on your whole team. Like if if I'm working for you, Eric, and like you're really bad at navigating this, like I'm thinking that's going to end up being very frustrating for me when like my whole like we're all being kind of left out the cold because you're not doing what you need to do.
0: No, that's totally right. People people will lose out. Uh, both for themselves as well as for for their teams. There's no question. So a couple of quick inst- instances or examples. So I'm working with one executive who is kind of kind of shies away from some of this and, and mm-hmm. is really going to need to get um, better connected with um, one one constituent in particular. And and he's kind of been avoiding it um, and uh, just needs to. And I think he, he has some realistic perceptions of it, but uh, he's going to hold himself back unless he develops that relationship further. And then you said, you know, you talked about as, you know, as a team or a group, you know, if you're not, if you're not advocating, I've working, I've worked with another um, couple of executives in another organization where there were some frictions between groups and so forth. And, you know, the, the leader I was working with was trying to um, work out better arrangements with some colleagues in other parts of the organization. And because they were having a difficult time with it, it was creating more work for their, for, for, you know, her particular mm-hmm. team. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, you know, it just, so while, while she was trying to um, make progress, her uh, barriers or her um, obstacles in doing that created uh, for the time being a lot more work for her team. And they became overworked.
1: I that's really interesting. And as I'm thinking about that too, you know, there's a lot of leaders who. Um, struggle with for whatever reason when it comes to politics you know it feels like they've got this stakeholder who kind of has an in-group right like True. they've all and and it might happen for a variety of reasons it might you know i don't know they they share a certain background they golf together or or maybe they just came up in the organization together so they've all been working together for 15 years and you're new or you're new in your role or you're younger or whatever it is. And you might see some things that start to go on. So like, if you're the outsider there, you know, I see, okay, like this group all has, I don't know, the COO's here or this senior vice president's here. And, and he or she is listening to this group. And I know that like, they're, they're saying the wrong thing here. Like, I've got to, I want to do something to change this. Cause I don't think this person's getting the information they need. And it's hurting my agenda. How have you coached leaders to approach those situations and start to make inroads in those really kind of tough political atmospheres of like, I don't have this long time relationship with the person and I've got to tell them something they don't want to hear.
0: Yeah. So it's, it's super hard. Of course, you know, when you're coming into a new environment, new team, established relationships, the first thing that I go to with people is to examine what their relationship is with the these constituents. And you mentioned mm-hmm. maybe there's one in particular, but I think one of the first places to start, you know, I've heard, you know first of all, reading the environment is, is kind of what you've, you know, established there as a baseline. But it's, I think, a matter of having some quality time with these constituents and getting to mature the relationship. It's not going to happen overnight. But the first place I go to is, What do you know about that person? What do you know about, or that, that grouping of people, you know, what, if you meet with an individual, are you seeking to understand where they're coming from? What's their agenda? What are the goals they're trying to accomplish? What are they being held accountable for? Mm. What are the barriers that are getting in their way? Um, So what, what do you feel um, are some of the key motivators for that person? So the more you understand about their point of view, to the extent that they're willing to share the more you have to connect to, to uh, come, come back to when you're um, bringing issues up, when you are trying to, um, as you said, maybe give feedback and so forth, what, what are the mm-hmm. things that that person's going to resonate with um, so you're making a stronger connection versus sort of just you know throwing out information without any idea as to whether it's going to stick or whether it's going to make a difference for them. So I think relationship um, development Finding out, seeking to understand, It's really an important place to start.
1: That makes so much sense um, in the making sure you're looking at what this person is being held accountable for, the the what's in it for them to help you solve your problem. Um, and I'm thinking about how crucial that must be in in building the trust in these relationships. Again, if you, you know, if I'm worried that you're listening to somebody else, you've you know you trust them because you've worked with them for a long, long time, and I'm I'm coming in with uncomfortable something uncomfortable or contrary um you know making sure you're building that relationship and understanding of like hey i'm telling you this because i know you're going to be on the hook for this or or you're going to be um in trouble if you don't kind of look at this perspective can can maybe can help you quickly get that person's ear but the other thing i want to ask you about too is that that's that's one, like once you know who your stakeholders are, that that helps of like, here's what's going on. And sometimes it gets really tricky, though. I'm curious if executives or, or other leaders have come to you and said, I'm getting held back and I don't know who it is or where it is that's going, you know, where I'm getting held back. So sometimes it's, um, you know. Every time I go in a meeting, I'm getting kind of stonewalled about my agenda. And I, like and there's someone maybe who's behind the scenes um, who's not lending their support or is maybe even actively working against you or something like that. How do you coach leaders to go about kind of finding out maybe where those sticking points are that you might not realize or might not be an obvious stakeholder to your project?
0: Yeah, that's, that can be a real uh, challenge for sure. I I'm thinking about a situation I came across recently with an executive who was in a meeting and, and had a few colleagues um, uh, chiming in with some, some concerns that he felt weren't necessarily backed up by a lot of good data. And so sometimes people can feel um, maybe sabotaged a little bit. So mm-hmm. certainly can un- mm-hmm. understand those kinds of situations. And... So I talked a moment ago about seeking to understand and understanding your know, your constituents. I think it's something that, and I don't mean to just come back to that point, but it's something that can't just happen once. But I th- I think that that leaders need to understand what their network is or, or and they oftentimes limit themselves, especially as leaders as leaders um, ascend the ladder, if you will, and maybe enter into their first executive role. The terrain changes dramatically and there's so many more uh, relationships to be thinking about. And what I think holds people back sometimes is they they tend to keep their sphere a little bit more limited and they need to be thinking about who do I need to be connecting with? Who are some of the players? And I don't mean to be, you know, to, to say that you need to be overly political, but you have to be, you have to read the environment. You need to know uh, who some of the influences influencers are and go and find out and develop and mature relationships with those individuals. Because if you're just guessing or speculating, you're going to be um, in a real tough spot. So it's really being actively involved in your networking and casting a broader net and understanding who those stakeholders are and developing those relationships and a level of trust. It, it's not, Again, like I said earlier, it's not something that happens overnight. It has to be Something that takes place over time that's proactive and thoughtful. I think oftentimes people are almost reactive, and networking is not something that uh, a good number of people prioritize
1: that is a an excellent point. i uh, you know, and it's not complicated to think about, but, you know you get into a role and you're so used to like oh i have to talk to this person about xyz and i've got to go you know i have a reason to connect with these certain people and you're not thinking about that larger network of all the people who really are influencing and pulling the strings behind the scenes of who's sort of listening to who if you haven't developed those relationships you may end up uh struggling um and one of the things that comes to my mind that you had mentioned earlier too is that uh you talked about just personality of, you know, some of us are more naturally prone to do some of these things. You're just sure you know, you're gregarious, you're outgoing. You want to talk to anybody and everybody about everything and other people. That's a lot harder. Um, and the phrase I often hear with people is, I've got to deal with a lot of big personalities with the assumption of, I don't have a big personality. They all do. Mm-hmm. Um, so how much does personality come into play with politics and how do you use both, you know, understand both your own personality as well as get to know your other colleagues to start creating an influence strategy?
0: Yeah, per- personality, personal style really has a lot to do with things. You know, it's it's it starts with your own. What is your own position based upon your preferences, your style and so forth? If you tend to be somebody who um, is somewhat reserved. um you know, likes to do things, um, you know, work on tasks more individually versus in groups and so mm-hmm. forth, you know, that's, that's, you know, going to be maybe challenging because that's a person who, if they're more introverted, they may not necessarily be the person to proactively reach out to, um, to, um, to understand other people's agendas and so forth. You talked about big personalities, and we certainly could all think about people in our work lives and and past and present um, of people who are very attention seeking, tend to be very sociable, um, tend to be really you know uh, inspired by recognition, you know, so they want to be the center of attention, et cetera. so we we know that 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 type of person. Um, and so you know it's um you, that the the person who is going to be, let's say, more sociable is going to be much more comfortable reaching out, as I mentioned earlier. So, um, Personality does have a lot to do with it, both in terms of our how how open we are to developing relationships, to networking, to being proactive, uh, as well as dealing with people in our environment who tend to be, let's say, the louder voices. So there's no doubt that personality has uh, something to do with it, both for um, the individual as well as in the environment.
1: That's super helpful to think about, and I, I think a lot of times I you start to kind of label personalities as good or bad, or I don't like this, but as you start to flip that switch to like, it's not that it's good or bad, but I'm trying to understand you and what you want. You can be much more successful, I I imagine, in in your approach. Um, And one of the things I wanted to ask you about along those lines as well is that um, you know, in addition to your work as an executive coach, you've also been one of our executive assessors, which for those who don't know, um, at DDI, that means that we we have a simulation that we have executives go through to demonstrate their skills, maybe even up to their gunning for the CEO job. And, and one of Eric's roles would be to observe them. How do you I, see, how have you observed, you know, in these hundreds of assessments over the years, how have leaders struggled with actually Practicing this and uh, managing politics and demonstrating their strategic influence, like you know, where do they go wrong? Which is about ten questions in one, but (laughs) where do they tend to go wrong as they try to demonstrate this?
0: Yeah, it's it's a great it's a great uh, question, and we do observe some behavior in our we observe a lot of behavior in our assessments, and where I'll focus here is really on more of the relationship skills and competencies, so things like Uh, cultivating networks and partnerships, um, strategic influence, emotional intelligence essentials. So some of the things that really are going to be important here. And so you really see some differences And it. And we talked a moment ago about personality. And I think that that bears out in behavior, um, but it's not always the determinant. So in other words, we'll see people take different approaches in terms of how they look at relationships. Are they you know if there's a meeting that they need to be in as part of the assessment you know what's the the degree to which they are taking a personal interest in the other person you know are, or are they just sort of centered on the problem to be solved and they then they want to dispense with it and get on with the other tasks that they need to address so you see sort of what's the interpersonal approach are they interested about other people are they asking good questions, uh, drawing them in, you know, developing almost a sense of rapport and trust, or are they just, you know, diving into solving a problem and moving on. So not to say that there is always that contrast, but we'll also see the degree to which people are thinking about their network. Are they looking at who they might need to connect with, uh, you know, in that, so we use a simulation assessment and that's what I'm speaking about here is the, what behavior you see in terms of, you know, how people would actually navigate themselves in, in a new situation. So, uh, and again, in those meetings, what's the extent to which they're asking good questions that draw the person in that take an interest and understand the motivations of the other party, you know, so we see it, uh, in, in a variety of ways and, you know, what's the degree to which they're demonstrating or showing empathy and, and just attending to sort of the personal needs of others. So, There there are all kinds of things that we see. Some are more effective, some are less effective. And you can probably guess uh, which would be which in some of the description I just provided.
1: So kind of in line with that of what's more and less effective, but also earlier you mentioned sort of, you know, you've seen people go about managing politics and there's a way to do it in a very healthy way. And then there are ways that you've kind of seen this happen, which are the more kind of unsavory ways and things like that know obviously you know ethics is a big concern and how you approach po- politics from a really um positive and effective standpoint is crucial so maybe this is obvious but maybe it's not how do you start to draw the line between like this is this is what's a really healthy level of thinking about how I manage my manage politics and and my relationships versus what starts to cross the line of you start to see some of these behaviors and you're like this is where it's getting toxic and it's, it's really bad.
0: Yeah. It's, it's, you know, we all, we know it when we see it to articulate it, it's, it's a little bit more challenging, but you know, when you see um, factions, certainly uh, between, Mm -hmm. uh, between groups of people and um, the, the back channel um, gossip uh, lines and, you know, so you, you definitely can see some of those things that are, that are dysfunctional, um, purposely, you know, you know, edging somebody out or not including people, you know, that's why it's important to, uh, as leaders, you know, to really read what's going on and to be aware of, you know, are there dysfunctions that need to be um, addressed? Is there, you know, greater transparency that needs to be um, provided? And so it's really uh, an important responsibility of leaders to step, executives to step in, and create the right kind of environment. In fact, it's interesting, I have been working, I've worked with an organization in the recent past where the the CEO actually wanted to create, in some sense, a bit of competition. And so Mm -hmm. that's not all that bad, you know, conceptually, but the, the potential fallout of that is, unhealthy competition and so you mm-hmm. where you know there's disharmony in the executive team where there are different agendas that um uh, are being are being uh, advocated for etc where you create organizational dysfunction so that's obviously an extreme example but um you know we have to it's it's all a matter of balance i mean i think it's important for um senior leaders ceos etc to set a high bar and create a you know maybe uh, an environment that fosters you know some healthy competition, but certainly keeping a gauge on where that's going and you know being careful about some of the um, some of the negative consequences is really, really important.
1: I think that's so, so interesting because, yeah, I mean, the competition thing, it's you know you, I, I don't know that you want a, a total like a, by our environment, you know, that's not necessarily driving everyone forward. No, But I'm sure when you start to see some behaviors of people, you know, I'm going to intentionally leave out this other colleague who I know is uh, gunning for the same job and things like that. I imagine you also start to see tremendous drop in effectiveness as you're more worried about leaving out your competitors than you are about actually getting the job done.
0: Yeah, it it, it certainly creates, uh, you know – dysfunction in the sense that organizational goals are going to suffer as a result of that. And um, that that obviously is uh, one of the, the things you want to guard against.
1: So one of the things I would ask Eric, too, is, you know, so even if I recognize, you know, I've got to, I've got to play the game to influence other people. Um, you know, somebody else is sitting there thinking this about you, right? They're thinking... They're sitting there and thinking about, how am I going to influence Eric? How am I going to, you know, I know he wants this and other things. And like, sometimes that's uncomfortable. You know, we we don't want people playing politics with us. We're going to do it with everyone else, but we don't want them trying too hard to influence us. Um, So if I'm a leader who says, you know, I want to set a tone, I recognize there's going to be some influence going on. I recognize um, there's always going to be a level of politics, but I want to reduce a lot of that you know so the opposite maybe of the ceo you're talking about who's creating a little bit of that um friction between people i'm saying i want to be as transparent as possible and i want people to i don't want people telling me what i want to hear um i want them telling me what's really going on so how do you set the tone to essentially minimize politics politics to the degree that you can
0: Great question, and the first thing I would go to here is with regard to what people are telling you. What's the what's what's the fact based be fact base behind that, mm-hmm. and can you ask some probing questions to make sure that what you're getting is more of the truth versus maybe a story, if you will. So I think that's the first place that I think about. And then also being aware of what people in the environment are working on and, and, and getting a gauge on what people are saying about uh, what's going on and, and what other people are doing. And just to, just to ask some probing questions to at least understand what some of the dynamics might be and where there might be some dysfunction potentially under the surface. So it's, going and read again reading in the environment i think is really important and being being aware of some of those indicators you don't want somebody to be uh just placating you as a leader you know sort of agreeing with all of your ideas and so another idea another point of view here is to challenge people or to invite contrary feedback you know what mm-hmm. what is it they're willing to say and and so forth you certainly don't want to be played by others no question about it so it, you know and the other thing i think about is you know what is what is the environment that you're creating you know intentionally or unintentionally are you hearing all the voices that need to be heard are you fostering debate and one of the things I was going to say earlier is you mentioned the notion of kumbaya you don't you don't want right. over agreement right? <laughs> right so there's certainly some there there are problems associated with that you want harmony but you want you you know inherently there there is going to be conflict there are going to be disagreements so you have to recognize that you're going to have those things and create an environment where there's healthy disagreement, where you're using, you know, being respectful and using facts and data and so forth. And we work with teams oftentimes to determine executive teams. How is it that we want to operate when we have conflict, what are going to be the rules of engagement? And so as an executive or leader in at any level, you can proactively determine what those rules of engagement are and and be purposeful about the environment that you're creating.
1: Oh, I, I think that's so important. I, I love the you know the the emphasis here on creating um, space for healthy disagreement and 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 you know and, and managing that among your team of like you know. I, I don't think you do want everybody who like, well, we all agree, everything is great, like because you can't possibly be considering any other points of views if if you're going down that road. Like you're probably yeah. really tunnel, like, you know, tunnel vision on that. Um, so really, really, I think a powerful place to be in, in how you kind of manage that healthy level of politics. So the last question I have is one that I ask all of our guests on the show, and it can be about politics, or it doesn't have to be either. But um, can you share with me a moment of leadership that changed your life, whether it was a good thing, um, and inspired you or even a bad thing where you were like, I'm going to do something to change that. And I'm never going to be like this person ever again.
0: Oh, wow. That's a good one. Um, it's tough. You're putting me on the spot, but I, the first thing I guess that comes to my mind, it's a quick reaction. And it happened many, many years ago. Uh I was working for a small company privately held and, uh, I was, uh, things were sort of slow at this time. And, uh, there were some ideas that I had for enhancing a product. I can't remember the exact example or what what I was working on. And I brought this idea to basically the president or owner of the company. And the response I got was, why are you working on that? You know, and basically Mm -hmm. go back to your go back to your corner,
1: stay in your lane. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Stay in your lane, you know, so uh, that was, that was an example of uh, a leader, a leadership trait I did not want to have. I wanted to be, you know, decided that I was going to be the kind of leader who would foster uh, and encourage uh, people's ideas and bring them forward. And, you know, maybe they're not exactly fine tuned and polished, but you're, you're going to, you're going to create a much more positive environment by uh, rewarding people's um, innovative efforts versus uh, crushing them. So it was a, an important lesson that I learned early on.
1: I, I That's such a great moment um, that can kind of cause you to change path in your career. And, um, and I think relates to, even to our topic of politics today of, you know, how do you create that environment that people can, can come to you and that it's, and you're listening and you've got the trust. Um, so, Eric, thank you so much for being here today on the Leadership 480 podcast. Um, I think you've helped a lot of our listeners navigate what is probably one of the more unpleasant parts of the job. Or maybe that's just my reaction to it. Maybe everyone else is loving politics, but I think you've offered a lot of really great tips for people. (laughs) And thank you to our listeners who took part of their 480 minutes today to be with us. And remember to make every moment of
0: leadership count.